0: All right, if you got your Bibles turn with me to Matthew chapter thirteen and uh I have been sick all week long, so I apologize um I feel better I don't sound like I feel better, but I actually do feel better so I'm not contagious or anything but um it's just still down in my somewhere all right we' got today's we're going to cover the parable of the householder it's found in Matthew chapter thirteen we're going to be looking at verses fifty one through fifty two but if you got your Bible's open it just and let's look at if we can Matthew 13 just as a whole. Um, if your Bible is like mine, you know, it, they they kind of help you out by putting these little headings in there, right? You you should see right there in your chapter you got the parable of the sower and then later on down the parable of the of the wheat and the tares. And we've been taught we've been on actually on Matthew 13 for a few weeks now and and what we found out is that Matthew 13 contains eight parables in total. And I have just really been learned so much. Uh, I, ne- I had heard these parables my whole life, but I never saw how they were connected. I saw them as just these different parables. And now that I saw them in one chapter and I read through them, we can see we've got eight parables, but they're all about the exact same subject and that is the kingdom of God. In verses 1 through 30, uh, Jesus gives us the first two parables, which is the parable of the sower and the parable of wheat and tares. This is all about the nature of the kingdom, how the kingdom is both the good and the bad dwelling together, coexisting together. That's what those parables tell us about the nature of the kingdom. As you read on down, you get into verses 31 through 33. Your Bible should show you there's the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of... Of the, of the leaven. This is all about the power of the kingdom, that the kingdom will start small. Um, the kingdom is it, going to start small, but its power is so great that in the end it will overcome uh, the world. And then as you move on down in the verses 44 to 46, you should see in your headers there, you'll see the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. This is all about the appropriation of the kingdom. This is how you make the kingdom your own, you know? And so that's on verses 44 to 46. And then last week, we in verses 47 to 50, we saw the parable of the dragnet. And this is all about the summation of the kingdom. At the very end, there is going to be a separation between the good and and the bad. Now, in these seven parables, Jesus has revealed to his disciples what he called the mystery of the kingdom of God. And this is the mystery that he revealed. The kingdom is here, but it's not here. Okay? And and so we're going to talk about that for just a second. What does he mean by here, but not here? You see, in those seven parables, what we've learned is that the kingdom of God is here with the coming of Jesus Christ. Right, Jesus told the, the Pharisees, if I, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It, it is here. Yet we also saw that the kingdom will not come in its fullness until Jesus Christ returns the second time. Okay? So it's here, but yet it's not here. The mystery of the kingdom that Jesus revealed was this surprising fact that the kingdom comes in two stages, not just one. The first stage is it comes like a mustard seed or like leaven hidden in a, in a branch of dough. It, you see, the Jews all expected, remember we talked about this, they expected it to be a military coup. They thought when the Messiah came, uh, there, the, they, he was going to restore the nation of Israel and there was going to be pomp and pageantry and parades and the Roman Empire would be put down and the Jewish nation would rise up and all the unbelievers would be killed and done away with and there would be no more death, no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering, just peace, joy, holiness, and and righteousness. You see, but the king, what we didn't understand, see, he came first on a donkey, didn't he? But he's coming the second time on a white horse. He came the first time with a branch of peace. He's coming the second time with a sword of judgment. You see, many kingdom blessings have been fulfilled, but the final consummation of the kingdom, when he returns that second time, is still out in the future. Now, at this point, Jesus has told all of these parables. He's explained to them about the kingdom, the power of the kingdom, the nature of the kingdom, the appropriation of the kingdom, the summation of the kingdom. And let's look at verse 51. He then turns to his disciples and he says this, Have you understood... All these things. Now, in a few minutes from now, I'm going to ask you the exact same question. Have you understood all these things we've been talking about for the last few weeks when it comes to the kingdom of God? And and I want you to be able to answer in the affirmative, just like the disciples did. They answered him, as we'll see in a minute. They said, yes, Lord, we we understand. And I want you to be able to answer that in the same way. So we're going to go over it one more time. Time. This is the this is the last time, but we're gonna go over it one more time to make sure we understand the mystery of the kingdom that Jesus was refilling to his disciples. The New Testament pictures all of history as two ages. Okay? There's this age that we live in today. It's the age that started with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. It's an age of sin and suffering and death and and pain and rebellion and all of that stuff. And then there's an age to come in the future that's filled with holiness and righteousness and freedom and and joy. The Bible says at his right hand are, are pleasures forevermore. That's the age to come. But we are in now in this in this current age. Now, the mystery of the kingdom that Jesus is revealing it, that is that these two ages have intersected or that they overlap one another. In other words, the new age has come in a sense, but yet the fallen age has to endure for a time. You see, the Jews expected this. They, ex- they knew all about the two ages. They knew there was this fallen age, but they expected when the Messiah came, the old age would end and the new age would begin. Everybody with me? That's what they expected. That's that's how they read prophecy. That's how they read the Old Testament. And Jesus comes and says, I'm going to reveal something to you. He tells his disciples that has been hidden from the foundation of the world. I'm going to tell you secrets that nobody else knows. Secrets and mysteries about the kingdom of God. And this is the mystery that he revealed. Not that one age ends and another one starts, but that these two ages overlap. You and I are living in that green. We're living in the overlap between the age that was, the age that we're in today, but also the age to to come. This is the mystery that he's been revealing here in Matthew chapter 13. In other words, we live not between the ages, but we actually live in both of them at the same time. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 5, the author of Hebrews says this, We have tasted the heavenly gift. And we have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and we've tasted the good word of God and we've tasted the powers of the age to come. See, that's, that's what this mystery is all about. I want to go back to this again. This is what the Jews expected. This is what, how they read the Old Testament. And Jesus comes along and says, No, that's not how it is. This is how it is. You're going to live in both at the same time. And so you go on. Now, I want to give you some scripture for this. So we don't just, I want to make sure that we see now that now that it's kind of like when Jesus opens your eyes, it's like, oh, well, that, now everything makes sense, right? Let me give you a couple of scriptures on this. For example, do we not know that Christ has already purchased our healing? Yes or no? Matthew eight seventeen says this, when he was hung on the cross, when he was beaten, when he was tortured, the Bible says this, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. He has purchased our healing on the cross. But the fact is, I've been sick all week. Yes or no? We still get sick. 2 Corinthians four sixteen Paul says it this way, we don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away; our inner self is being renewed day by day. There's not a person here. As you get older, you just you just it's wasting away. You can just see it happening. You cannot turn back the clock. But yet he's purchased. How, how is that? What? Which one is it? Well, it's both. We go on. We've already. The Bible tells us, for example, that we've already passed from death to life in the age to come. First John three fourteen. Uh, John says this, we know, not we hope, not we guess, not we think. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Listen, if you are a believer, you are, you are living your eternal life right now. The day you were born again was the day you started living the eternal life. I used to have a blog years ago, and I, and I titled it, Living the Eternal Life. Are you living the eternal life, or are you waiting until you die? to start living. No, your eternal life is in you now. You have passed from death into life. Yes or no? That's what the Bible teaches us. But the fact is, we still die. Right? 1 Corinthians 15, 26 tells us the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Psalms 116, 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. We still die, even though the Bible tells us we've already passed from death into life. Well, how is that? How do we we reconcile those two things? Let me give you some more. We already have the sanctifying Spirit as a down payment of our inheritance. I love this verse in Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. It says, In Him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. The fact that you have the Spirit living in you is God's guarantee. That your inheritance is coming. It's a guarantee. It is absolutely coming. But the fact is we get up every day and we wage war between the flesh and the spirit, do we not? Galatians five, sixteen and seventeen. But I say, Paul says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for they're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Well, which is it, Paul? Do I have the Spirit? Am I, am I, am I you know, already sealed and promised the inheritance? Or am I in this battle? Which is it? Well, it's both. That's what the Bible teaches us. How about this one? Do you understand, and I know so many Christians struggle with this, we have already been acquitted of all sin in Jesus Christ. Romans 5, one says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He looks at me as absolutely perfect. If I die right now, I'm going to heaven and I am covered by the blood of Jesus. All my sins are covered. The ones I committed yesterday, the ones I'm committing right now, the ones I'll commit tomorrow, they're all under the blood. They're all covered. Yes or no? Okay? Yet every day we sin and the Bible says, Jesus told us when you pray, pray like this. Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, every day we have to ask forgiveness. Well, which is it? Are we forgiven or are we not? Are you with me? Well, of course we're forgiven, but yet he tells us to walk every day asking for that, for that forgiveness. Here's another one. We already have our citizenship in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we have a way to Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We should see ourselves as Christians, as citizens of heaven. We serve Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. He is our King. Our allegiance, our loyalty is to Him. Yet for now, Paul says you must still submit in some measure to the rulers of this world. Romans 13, 1, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Well, which is it, Paul? Am I a citizen of the U.S. or am I a citizen of heaven? Well, it's both. That's the whole point. The old age hasn't quit, but yet the new age, has. they overlap together. You see, this mystery of the kingdom is what we have learned so far through these seven parables of Jesus about the kingdom. It is partly present and it's partly future. Many of its blessings are here to be enjoyed now, but many of them are are not here yet. Some of its power is available now, but not all of it. Some of the curse and the misery of the of the old age can be overcome now, but not not all of it. Right? The decisive battle against sin and Satan and suffering has been fought and won by the king. But let me tell you, the war's not over. Right? Are we to fight every day? Absolutely. See, sin must be fought. Satan must be resisted. Sickness must be prayed over and groaned under. Let me say that again. Sickness has to be prayed over and groaned under. Death still has to be endured. I am am living the eternal life, but there's a date set for me that I have got to walk. I got to walk through that last. I've got to defeat that last enemy. See, we do all this until the second coming of Christ and the consummation of the kingdom. For now, it's not here yet. See, just like the disciples, we need to make sure we understand all this. Jesus said, do you understand all these things I've been telling you? Because, And here's why. Because it is so important to our faith. Hit the thing. It's it's just so important for us to live our faith day by day. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said this, in this world, he's talking about this age, you will have what? What does that mean? Trouble, Trouble sickness, pain, suffering, persecution. You're going to have all these things. How do, we, how do we walk through that? How do we resist that? How do we bear up under that? How do we keep our faith? Because we have to understand the mystery of the kingdom. We have to understand the reality of the kingdom, You see, if you understand all these things that Jesus has been teaching, it's going to deepen your confidence that even though you're going through this for a time, you know there's a future coming. There's an inheritance coming that's been secured for you. Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how much more will he not also with him give us all things? I mean, I love that scripture, don't you? If he gave up his son to die for you, how much more will he not give you everything, right? It's coming, but it's not here yet. You see, if you, you've got to understand this view of the overlapping kingdoms because it's the only worldview that really, truly gets what this world is all about. See, it's the only worldview that allows you to understand how such amazing things can be going on, how God's power can be moving in such amazing ways, yet at the same time, there's so much sin and so much sickness and so much Satan and so much suffering. How, do, how can these two exist together? Because if you understand that we're living in these overlapping ages, then you, that's, the, that's the only way you can rectify those two things. Now, I want to give you a warning. And then I'm going to give you some encouragement, and then we're going to get to the parable. Be very careful of people who come along and insist that dimensions of the kingdom that's been reserved for the future age can exist in this age. In other words, you have to understand that the kingdom of God in this current age that we live in is limited in its scope and its effects. See, there are teachers out there for example teaching that as believers you should never be sick. They'll tell you, "Oh, as a believer, he you he Jesus paid for your your healing on the cross. You sh- you don't have to be sick. You can reject that sickness." And they'll teach you that any sin and any disease or any sickness that a believer might suffer again was removed at the cross. That healing is part of your Uh, The healing of your physical body is part of your salvation. Folks, that's not what the Bible teaches us at all. That's reserved for the future age. Everybody with me? That's what's coming. But it's not here yet. We still get sick. Does God heal? Absolutely. But does God not heal? Absolutely. Just talk to the Apostle Paul. Here's a man who they took handkerchiefs from his... prayed over handkerchiefs, gave it and people were healed but the old man he couldn't heal himself why because god said no no my grace is sufficient you need to walk through that right just just talk to him so be very careful of people that come along and say you should never be sick you should never be poor it's usually preachers in $1000 suits and million dollar homes that want your money be very careful of that because it's misleading and all of a sudden, if you, if you buy into that and you believe it, all of a sudden tragedy comes and suffering comes and the first thing you're doing is looking at yourself. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Does God not love me? Do, am I don't, do I not have enough? No, it's because you had a bad view. You got bad teaching. You're trying to bring things out of the future age into this age. And it's not to be that way. We've talked about this before. Jesus could have raised... We, we talk about raising the dead. Jesus could have raised every dead person in Israel. But as far as I know, he raised three. It's just, it, that's reserved for the future. It's not for now. Does it happen every once in a while? Sure. But that person just turns right around and dies again. Right? I'm not even sure how great that is. Do you? It's hard enough to die once. Would you agree? Seriously. Seriously. We talked about that with Lazarus when we talked about him. That, that's terrible. I mean, i got to do that again? It was bad enough the first time. And now you're going to... you know, I don't know how great a thing that is. See, the reason believers suffer from sickness and, and some of these teachers will teach us is because you don't have enough faith. I, I pulled a Benny Hinn quote up. He says the Bible declares the work was done 2,000 years ago. God is not going to heal you now. He healed you 2,000 years ago. In other words, just appropriate what he did. See, he's teaching that things that, that are for the future kingdom can be in this kingdom. Okay, And that's, just, that's a bad theology. Also, be very careful of assuming that anybody who says they belong in the kingdom are really his children. See, many who claim to be part of the kingdom today are going to be cast out in the end because they love healing and not holiness. They love power and not purity. They loved wonders, but they didn't love the will of God. So be very careful. The Bible, Jesus says it very, very clear. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, didn't we do all these things? And he said, get out of my sight. I never knew you. We never had a relationship. These are people that thought they were in the kingdom. And everybody would have looked at them and said, boy, they're, they're in the kingdom. But he said they never were because he didn't know them. Now let me give you an encouragement. We live in this overlapping age. We still live in this age of sin and death and suffering and sickness. But at the same time, we've tasted powers of the age to come. So let me give you some encouragement. First of all, the kingdom really has arrived. God's purposes are being fulfilled. The king has already come and dealt with sin once and for all. The sacrifice is made. It's been taken care of. The king is on his throne right now. And he's reigning until all of his enemies are under his feet. The king's righteousness is yours right now by faith. The king's spirit is dwelling inside of you right now. His blood is running through your veins. The holiness that you, of His holiness is yours right now. His joy is being produced in us. His peace has been given to us. Not, not in the future, now. Right? See, the king's victory over Satan is ours right now as we fight him with the sword of the Spirit. He's given us everything we need to battle our way through this world. The king's power to witness is ours right now. Not in the future. The, the king's gifts to minister to his body and to his family and to his church are ours right now, not in the future. So rejoice in those things, okay? You, yes, we still got to battle a lot of the old stuff, but a lot of the new stuff is ours already. Now, with all of that said, let's go back to our scripture. Verse 51, Matthew 13. Jesus said to the disciples, Have you understood all these things I've been telling you? Have you put all these things together? Do you understand that good and evil will grow together for a long time? Do you understand, though, that the good is going to continue to grow and grow and gain more power and, and more influence? Do you understand that to gain the kingdom, you've got to give it all for Jesus? Do you understand to gain the kingdom... It's like a treasure buried in the field. You sell all you have to get that treasure. Do you understand that? He asked them. And finally, he says, Do you also understand that if you don't, there's a furnace of fire waiting on those who don't? This is what what he's been teaching us in these seven parables. Now, they respond to him in verse 51. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him... Yeah, Lord, we, we understand. So here this morning, I ask you the same question. Do you understand all these things? Do you understand all the things that he's been teaching us in Matthew 13? Do you understand all these parables that we've been going over for weeks and weeks and weeks now? Now, here's why I ask that question. Because like the disciples, if you understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God there is a responsibility that comes with that knowledge. Let me say that again. If you understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God, if you understand these two ages and how they overlap, there is a responsibility that comes with that knowledge. I want you to look at Jesus' response. Let's read those verses together, 51 and 52. Jesus said to them, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. And then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. And that is the last parable. Okay? Now, if you just read this parable on its own, it, I, it makes no sense. But if you read it in context with the whole chapter, it makes perfect sense. So let's, let's, let's walk through this eighth and final parable, the parable of the householder. And this, this is the final parable. It's the concluding parable about the teachings on the kingdom of God. So what is Jesus telling the disciples? And by the way, what is he telling us? Well, let's look at what he says. He said this, Therefore, every scribe... Now, you remember back from our study, I think it was the Good Samaritan, where the scribe asked Jesus the question that scribes were, were learned men. They were also called lawyers, and they, they were very much like lawyers today. Their job in that time was to know the law, and the law, of course, was the Old Testament. And so from a very young age, they were trained in the law. They, they were constantly studying the law, learning more about it, until people would come to them, and they would write opinions and judgments if there was any kind of issue or anything, anything like that. So it was their job to be experts in the Old Testament law. But at the same time, keep in mind, they they were always learning. They were always being instructed. They were always being schooled. And that started from a very young age. So not only were they teachers of the law, they were students of the law as well. Jesus said this, Therefore, every scribe constructed... Now watch what he says. Every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven. Now let me ask you a question. Who has Jesus just instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven. His disciples, and us, by the way, he has just spent all this time teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. And he says, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking to the disciples. And by the way, he's talking to us. See, he spent seven parables, the whole chapter, talking about the kingdom, talking about the mysteries So so remember, when he's talking about a scribe, in this case, he's talking about them and he's talking about us. In other words, he's saying, okay, guys, I've instructed you now in the kingdom of heaven. You're trained now. You're you're prepared. Just like the Jews instruct their scribes and train their scribes, I've discipled you. I've instructed you in the realities of the kingdom. And now, here's what you're like. So he's going to compare them to something. He says, you are like a householder, okay? Now, the Greek word translated householder here literally means master of the house. This would be the person whose responsibility it was for running the household, okay? It could be the person that owns a house. It could be a a, a highly placed servant. But this is the person who has the final say in deciding what is best for the household. And watch what he says, the kingdom... The kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Okay. Now, the word treasure here doesn't mean like gems and pearls. It's it's literally talking about a place for treasure. It's not the treasure itself. In fact, if you look at the NIV, if any of you have got the NIV, the NIV translates it this way. Uh, A disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom so anytime you had a big house back in those days, you would have a storeroom where you would store certain things. It might be food, it might be clothing, it might be grain, it might be salt, it might be tools, it might be treasures or family valuables. You would have some place that's locked down under, under lock and key, maybe under even a guard, because you don't, that, this, is, this is all the stuff that the household needs to run and survive, so you don't want any of that stuff stolen. So it's locked in a treasure room or a a storeroom. Now, what does Jesus mean here by new and old? Okay. Now you understand. If I was a if I was a householder and you were all members of my house, you would come to me and say, "Well, Derek, I need something, right? I need some salt. I got to go put on some. We just caught some fish, and I need some salt." And so I would I would uh, I would say, "Okay, have somebody go in there and give you a certain amount of." salt, or whatever the case may be. That's what the householder does. They go into the treasure, they bring out things, and they give it to the members of their household for whatever they mean. Now, what does Jesus mean by new and old? Did everybody understand that? That's pretty plain, right? That's not the hard part. The hard part is what does he mean by new and old? Well, think for a minute about your refrigerator at home. You got any new stuff in there? And you got any old stuff? Right? I saw this cool thing the other day. I was telling Kathy about it. Some guy, I forget where it was, but he was standing in front of his refrigerator and he says he says something like, I just come here every day and ponder the meaning of life. Because everybody, I do that. Do y'all just go open the refrigerator and look at it? How many of y'all do that? I do it every day. I just look at it, close it and walk on I mean, in. I don't know what I'm doing. Right? But but we all we all go to that refrigerator, right? And in that refrigerator, you know, I'm open my refrigerator and there's something new, and over there is something old. I'm thinking, what, everybody with me? If you don't use the old, what happens? It goes bad, right? E- even as you open your refrigerator, you've got to pull out the new and the old in balance, yes? You, you, if you just only get the new stuff, the old eventually goes bad, and now, you know, it's smelling and woo, it's got that. Stuff growing on top of it and all those other things, right? So you pull out of your refrigerator things new and old, and you do it in balance. You try to balance it all out so things last longer, right? Same would hold true for, like, clothes. If you, if you only wore one thing every single day, then eventually that thing would, would, would wear out. You try to balance the wear over several garments so you get more value, you get more benefits, you get uh, more balance. It, that gives you all, all the value there. See, a man who was ahead of his house in that day had a storehouse. And out of that, he dispensed to people their needs. If they needed a certain kind of food, a certain kind of clothing, a certain kind of of resource, whatever the case may be, he gave it to them. But he was wise enough to balance the new and the old. He understood that, that certain things only had a certain shelf life, and they had to be used in a certain time frame Or though they would go bad. So he doesn't always give out the new, right? Sometimes he has to give out the older to make sure things last longer. That is a wise householder who makes the best use of their resources. In context, you see, we can see what Jesus is saying to the disciples. He's saying, You are to use your resources what you have learned about the kingdom of God, what you have experienced about the kingdom of God, you are to pull out of that experience and out of that knowledge resources to benefit the family of God. You remember what he told Peter? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. What did he say? Feed my sheep. Feed them. Give them what they need. And now he's telling them here, you pull out of those resources, you pull out of that knowledge, both new and old, to benefit the family of God. So again, that still doesn't answer the question, what's new and what's old? Well, let me tell you. What has he, in this chapter, he says, I'm going to give you, I'm going to reveal to you the mysteries of the kingdom of God. What has he given them that's new? Anybody? He's given them new truth, is he not? This is truth that nobody's ever known. That somewhere in the Bible it says the old the prophets want they they yearn to see the things that you see and they didn't see them. To know the things that you know and they didn't know them. See, he's given them new truth. So what does it mean? What's new and what's old? Well, it's pretty straightforward. You see, the new is the, new, it's the teach, teachings of the New Testament. It's the teachings of Jesus. It's the new truth that Jesus has revealed. It's the gospel, the mysteries of the kingdom. The old, it's the law. It's the Old Testament. See, what Jesus is saying here is that disciples are to teach and nurture by carefully balancing the Old and the New Testaments. Listen, Matthew five seventeen through eighteen. Jesus said this: Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Acts twenty six twenty two to twenty three. Paul says, To this day I have had help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to people and the Gentiles. You see, it's very important that we as Christians, when we, when we dispense out of the household of knowledge, that we balance out the old and the new. Okay? We are to use, and the disciples were to use, and we're to do the same. All of our resources, all the things that we know about the Bible and truth and the kingdom of God, it's, and we use that to benefit our brothers and sisters in, in Christ. You see, the Old Testament scribes, they didn't have all the truth. They only had the old truth, the Old Testament. The disciples of Jesus, believers in Christ, were the only ones who were given all the truth. They were given, revealed the mysteries, and they are to use that to benefit the kingdom of God. The disciples knew the Old Testament, and now they had heard the mysteries of the kingdom. They knew the old covenant truth. Now they'd received the new covenant truth. They are to dispense both. Jesus is saying to them, You are the householder who has the old and the new, now in perfect balance. God has called you. God has trained you. You have been equipped now to go and spread the word. It is their responsibility and ours to dispense that truth in balance. Now, I want to close with application. This obviously has great application for preachers and teachers of the word of God. Okay? But the fact is, we are all called to be faithful householders in some sense, are we not? It could be within your family. If you're a man here, you are to be the head of your family. You are to dispense truth in your family. So you should be able to dispense that in balance. Most of you here have um, personal relationships with people, serving as some kind of disciple or mentor. And in that, in that relationship, you should be dispensing truth in balance. It's always... So whatever the case may be, it's, it's more on me and teachers and preachers to do it the right way. But all of us are called in some way to be dispensers of the truth. Be very careful... Listen, there are people out there. Years ago I was thinking about this. Some of you may remember this. There was a lady that came to Sop Choppy when we were down there. And she came and spoke one time and um she was like an expert in um she'd been to Jew. you remember all that, Scooter? She was ex she she led tours over to Israel and and was like an expert in all things Jewish and all of that kind of stuff and came and talked, you know, and then Uh, A few years later, I I was looking. I wonder what happened to that lady. Well, she denounced Christianity, moved to Israel, and converted to Judaism. Folks, that's a person that's not a good householder. They understand the old, but they don't have the new. At the same time, you will run into people from time to time who they don't understand the old. It's all about the new, and they've got it out of balance. Jesus said, no, the, the old is all about me. It's all building up to me. It's all testifying about me. He told the, the, the Pharisees one time, search the Scriptures because in there you'll you find me. He wasn't talking about 1 Corinthians. He was talking about the Old Testament. You'll find me. So we have to balance the Bible out. Okay? We have to do it correctly or we'll have a distorted view of the kingdom. I'll close with Matthew 24, 45-46. It says this, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Let's pray.